You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I want you to put in your diary the 15th of October, 7 p.m. at the State Library Theatre I'm doing a show called The Consequences of Murder with an amazing former Queensland police officer, Helen Rose. I go into detail I've never shared before, particularly on a personal side. As the show is a little bit different this time, we go deep into the murders that we've been involved in, but also the effects of being involved in those murders. The murder that Helen was involved in will shock you to the core. It's everybody's worst nightmare. So grab a ticket and we'll see you there. Thanks. Uh, Hello and thanks for listening and coming with me as we explore the human side and impact of crime. And just a couple of things I'd like to ask you to consider. Firstly, My guests share their personal stories, which others may see differently. No one will see a situation the same. It's just human nature. Uh, Secondly, my podcasts aren't suitable for children and some adults for that matter. So please consider if it's right for you and contact Lifeline or any other support service if you find yourself affected by my subject matter. As soon as he started striding towards me uh, and raised that firearm, I pretty well jumped up from my position. I didn't have a chance to call on him or anything and, um, yeah, mostly fired on him. As I told you last week, this week Chris takes us through some of the jobs that he attended as an SOG member and please note uh, that he does talk quite a bit about the shootings at Port Arthur. Chris attended that incident to assist the Tasmanian police, but he'd rather acknowledge the heroic acts of others rather than talking about the SOG's involvement from Victoria. It could be triggering for some, so please take care of yourselves. Uh, Chris also takes us through some of the challenges that he faced after leaving the SOG and what brought him to tears in his boss's office I think might surprise you. This man could deal with any dangerous criminal who happened to have an BFG and you'll have to uh, have a listen because it's explained what it is. (laughs) But when it came to young children being abused, That's what broke Chris. We also talk about Chris's mate, Ted Hubbard, who drowned at the police academy pool whilst participating in a training program to be finally accepted into the SOG, which he'd tried unsuccessfully to do three times prior. 
There's been much conjecture and criticism of that training program, and Chris gives us his personal beliefs as to what he believed happened. But I'm at pains to um, add that Chris wasn't there. It's only what he's heard on the grapevine and through others. And again, they are Chris's opinions and belief. It's very clear that Chris loved the SOG, but just not all those that uh, were within it. Anyway, have a great week. Thanks. You told me about a siege that you went to where you were crawling towards a house in all your combat gear, so your extra 30 kg, and you made some, I just thought it was so interesting, you made some determinations about the offender due to his woodpile and the tidiness of the house and surrounds. It just proved to me how alert you obviously were to everything. Like, to me, that is hypervigilance in the extreme. Can you tell the listeners about your thinking around the condition of his house and the woodpile? Maybe just take us through that siege, because I just find that psychological uh uh, the psychological process you went through fascinating. Well, well, firstly, let me just clarify: I didn't have the thirty kilos on because it was a bush job. Um, I'll say I say you did, Chris. <laughs> it sounds better. Well, it was okay. It was, it was twenty nine kilos. Um, no, I, I, I was wearing my um, my what they call Yowie suit or ghillie suit, which is basically just a, a camouflage um, uh, suit, which um, yep. we was actually not issued to us by the department. Everybody had to make their own bush kit and a lot of us spent thousands of dollars on our own bush kit. So I, I was wearing that. I still had a ballistic vest on but didn't have armoured plates. Um, okay. So, um, so, yeah, this was a siege where the offender um, had um, his uh, girlfriend or wife, a girlfriend I think it was, uh, as a hostage uh, as a result of a domestic situation. She managed to escape and... Um, Obviously, we were called because uh, he had, uh, let's just call it a big fucking gun. <laughs> um, a BFG. A BFG. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, look, uh, I'm very much at home in the bush. I, I love the bush. Um, give me a bush job any day of the week. So, yeah, we obviously we couldn't, because this firearm that he had, um, I think from memory it was a 300 Magnum, which basically in anyone's language is an elephant gun. Um, you know, we had to set up our command post uh, a good kilometre away from the house. But we couldn't get any oh, closer. Um, so, yeah, so we had to walk in and crawl in basically from, from that distance to be able to get close enough to the house and um, basically uh, give observation reports back to the command post and let them know what's going on. Um, yeah, so as kind of long story short, as we got close to the house, uh, I, I could see just how neat and tidy the property was. And um, I, I resonated with this because I've, I'm somewhat OCD myself, right? Every, I, I hate mess. I hate mess. Everything needs to have its place. Um, you yes. know, I, I, I line things up on my desk so everything's in line. You know, everything just needs to be in place. And if something's just a little bit out of whack, it really pisses me off. So <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. sort of resonated with that. And, um, you know, his, his lawns were manicured. Um, the house was neat and tidy. The wood pile was just beautifully stacked. I mean, even now, my, 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 my father lives on a farm at, in East Gippsland and, and every time I drive there and drive past these houses and he, I, I, all I see is these 
beautiful wood piles. Uh, yeah, so, I, yeah. I mean, I looked at this and it went back to my OCD and I thought, well, if he's so ne- as neat and tidy as this and, and um, um, I'm just trying to think of the word, um, particular, I guess. Pedantic. Pedantic, that's a good word, um, in, yep. in his general... Um, fastidious. Fastidious is another good one. I thought to myself, yeah. well, if, if he puts this much effort into the place that he lives, his firearm would probably be, would most likely be, uh, in excellent working order as well, and he would probably know how to use it. Um, so, I mean, look, I, I, I probably assumed, um, but that, that was the thought that came into my head. So, I mean, it probably wouldn't have mattered if it was the place was untidy anyway. Um, the fact, the yeah. fact that he had a firearm, a, a large caliber firearm, um, didn't matter if he was messy or not. But um, it just, it, it, it just resonated with me that he would know how to use his firearm and he would have it in good working order. And did he? <clears throat> um, to be honest with you, I don't know. He never managed to get a shot off. So, and look, once 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 the siege is resolved, uh, you know we. It's not our duty uh, or our job to go and grab the firearm and have it tested or, or look at it. Um, we just basically arrest him, um, right, get on the radio to the CIB, uh, right, we've got him in custody, CIB come in, grab him, take over the scene and, and we go. So. Um, and so it was resolved, was it, like nobody was killed in that siege or were they? No, 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 not that siege, no, no. Um <laughs> not that one, but the- no, not that one. Um, no, look, right. the shots shots were fired um, by us. Uh, once again, I, I look. I'm going to take a moment here to plug the book. Actually, Narelle, is that all right? <laughs> Absolutely, all right. yeah. Okay. And you know, you know that I've written a book about the SOG. Well, it's not just about the SOG. There's, there's some some chapters in it about my life and some of the traumatic experiences in my life. It's it's basically. Uh, a story of my life, and including the SOG. Um, yeah. Now, which what was the na- what's the name of the well, book, Chris? And when look, when can we expect it on the shelves? Look, at the moment, it, it's with the editors. It, it's I have a publishing deal with Hashit. Uh, the publishing date is not going to be until August next year. Um, so it's in their editing department at the moment. So. The title that I've got at the moment is just Special Operations Group and then subtitled um, Solidarity, Loyalties and Betrayal. Um, there's another title that I'm sort of umming and ahhing about, which I won't mention at the moment. Um, so that that's it at the moment. Um, so we'll wait and see. that There is a chapter on, in the book in regards to this siege as well. So, look, he, he basically he came out of the house while we were there um, and I was proven correct that he knew what he was doing because I thought we were pretty well hidden and um, he didn't spot us initially but he he finally did and he started um, striding towards my position uh, and my offsider's position and, um, you know, right. With the BFG? Yeah, with the BFG and and then raised it uh, towards my position. Now, I I didn't even – I didn't have time to call on him or anything, Um, so – Basically, I'd already formulated. As you're going to every job, you're always formulating um, scenarios in your head and how you would react to it. And I'd, I'd already, before he even came out of the house, I'd, I'd gone over that scenario in my head. So as soon as he started striding towards me uh, and raised that firearm, I, I 
pretty well jumped up from my position. I didn't have a chance to call on him or anything and, um, yeah, basically fired on him um, because I was in the uh, movement of raising myself from the ground. I actually wasn't able to take a sight picture as such. Um, so it, it was just instinctive firing and um, basically one. You yeah. stopped the threat. Well, look, he he pretty well shat himself and um, and jumped, jumped behind a clump of trees and, um, you know, there was, there was another round of fire where he came out again and uh, then finally he, he, I think he, he knew he was in trouble and uh, threw, his, yeah. threw his firearm out and, and surrendered. Oh, surrendered. You know, look, uh, and I, and I've got to, I've got to yep. say, Chris, here that just in relation to your book, I, I I tell me if it's not okay to say this, but you sent me uh, just a a, a pricey of the books to give me an idea about you and your experiences, and I've got to say, it is an amazing book. What I read, and I imagine that's going to be the basis of of what is published. It was, I couldn't put it down. It was just, it was, and I think I said to you, it was so beautiful, beautifully written's the wrong word. It was just so engrossing. And you wrote that all yourself. Um, Well, first of all, thanks, Norella. Once again, I'm going to use the word very, uh, very humbled by what you're saying there. Um, Look, I, I did write it myself. Um, I went through it a couple of times, did my own editing, and then um, my partner at the time, she went through it and spent a lot of time on it, editing it herself. She's very good at that, and uh, she, she yeah. did a fantastic job. Um, but yeah. obviously it's going to be edited again um, with the yeah. publishers. Now, I hope they don't edit it too no, much. No, look, I don't think they will. No, it was just fascinating, and it just – and I mean, I know a little, only a little bit about the SOG, obviously, because I've been, you know, in the police for a while. But uh, I, there was just stuff in there. It's just a fascinating world, and I've got to say to people, whenever that book comes out, oh my goodness, you you've got to get it. It was just amazing. Hey, Chris, um, you were in that book. I read a little bit about your. Uh, you went to, I'll say, your involvement uh, with uh, Tasmania, with Port Arthur. You were part of the Vicpol SOG contingent that were chopped into Tasmania's, um, into that situation to assist a, arresting an, a, gun, a gunman who, you know, shot so many innocent yeah. people just visiting the cafe and surrounds. And he was still on the loose when you arrived. Now, I understand that you were trained to deal with these situations, but you learned of so many heroes on that day who had never had one iota of training like yourself, just a normal member of the public doing uh, heroic acts. Can you tell us a little bit about what you learned about what happened in Port Arthur? Yeah, look, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm going to try not to get emotional during this, um, which I... I'm happy if you'd prefer not to, Chris. And I already am getting emotional about this. (laughs) Um, I can hear that. And I cannot imagine what you saw and what you experienced, Chris, so uh, just take your time. Yeah, look, Norelle, it it was pretty well over by the time we got there. I mean, he was already holed up at the seascape 
uh, cafe, uh, seascape cottages, sorry. Um, yeah. Now, I'm not even going to mention his name. And, and the re- no, the re- I won't. No, I wouldn't no, either. Um, no. It's not, his name's not worth mentioning. Um, so we didn't see the carnage because we didn't go to the actual uh, scene itself, okay? We went to the seascape cottages yep. where he was holed up. Um, but, you know, doing my research uh, in regards to my book uh, and obviously um, after the incident happened, uh, I was just really affected emotionally by the heroic acts of these people that were actually in the Broad Arrow Cafe at the time that he started opening fire. Um, it, it's amazing the human spirit um, and the survival instincts that, that kick in for just normal everyday people. Um, just quickly, I'll just mention a, a couple of names, and, and I don't think the families would yeah, sure. would, uh, would mind because I mean it's public knowledge anyway. Um, a bloke by the name of Tony Christen. He was targeted, um, Tony and Sarah Christen, now, and another bloke, Andrew Mills. Um, now, Andrew was, was shot and killed, and uh, Tony Christen was also shot in the head. Um, but before he was actually shot, he'd pushed his wife away in an effort to try and protect her. So, in effect, he gave his life, his own life, to protect his wife. Um, Give me a minute. Um, There's another um, lady by the name of Carolyn Lawton, and she was with her daughter, Sarah. Carolyn survived. Uh, She she threw herself on top of her daughter, and um, Carolyn was shot. She survived, but um, unfortunately her daughter... Um, was also shot and her daughter didn't survive. And, um, okay, just quickly. Um, Take your yeah, um, you know, another, another lady by the name of Bridget Cook. Uh, she survived, um, but she was outside trying to guide people to safety when she was shot. Um, yeah. But she survived and escaped. And, uh, and obviously the, probably the public face of, the Paul Arthur um, incident was um, Nanette Mikak and her two daughters, oh, yeah. Madeline and Alana. Um, you know, she was she had them in her arms and was uh, running away, trying to protect them when um, you know she was confronted by the uh, the offender. Um, yeah. And uh, unfortunately, all three of them, um, you know, didn't survive. So um, you know, they, these are these are just normal everyday people um, yeah. that have just risked their own lives, heroic acts. Now, I'm not sure if they've been awarded posthumous um, bravery awards or not. I'm, I really don't know. But if they haven't, they bloody well should be. Um, I, I yeah. just find it amazing, absolutely amazing, that people um, can do that now. We'd all like to say that we'd do that in the same situation, but I don't know, would we? I, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But these these people did, and I, I didn't write that chapter um to um, put praise on the SOG because our, our job was really actually quite easy by the time we got there. Um, I, I wrote it to highlight these 
these heroes, and and that's exactly what they were. To acknowledge, to yeah. acknowledge their bravery, yeah. really, yeah, yeah. and hero- yeah, heroics. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> yes. So there you go. <laughs> that's about that's yeah. about all I can sort of speak about that one. No, now. that's fine. Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah, no, I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah, it's, no it's all right to cry. <laughs> uh, it is, and I, I wish more men would. That sounds wrong, but just I don't know what it is, Chris. But so many men think it's a weakness to cry. I actually see it as a strength. Well, it actually releases good endorphins. Believe it or not, your brain releases good endorphins when you cry. So um, there you go. Uh, ask any woman. We'll tell you it does. It makes you feel so much better. It does, it does, yeah. It does. It does. Chris, can we go to your time um, at – you said that there were acting duties uh, at uh, Frankston, Chelsea and Mornington, but you also went as a sergeant to Socket. And that really interests me because I did a lot of time at Socket and I found it uh, – terribly rewarding, a bit like your SOG time. I loved Socket, um, but, oh, gee, in the end, it actually did me in mentally. Just the the constant trauma and grief, uh, I absorbed everyone's and I just couldn't escape it in the end. How did you find Socket from a psychological point of view? Right. Yeah, it was difficult. Uh, firstly, let me clarify, I wasn't at Socket as a sergeant. I, I was there as a senior, oh, okay. senior constable and I was upgraded during my time there to the uniform at uh, Frankston. Church. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, um, yeah, anyway. Um, and did you go to Socket after the SOG? I went there after the SOG. I, 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 did four, I completed four years at the SOG and at the end of that four years, I, I knew it was time to go. Um, you know, I, I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. Uh, I didn't have that adrenaline rush there anymore. So, and because of that, uh, you need that adrenaline rush to keep on your toes. And, and once I lost that, I knew it was time to go because, um, you know, if I wasn't getting excited, uh, kicking in doors and, and arresting high-profile, dangerous crooks, um, there was something wrong and I was... Absolutely. Yeah, How yeah, could you and, not find that exciting? Yeah, well, that's right. So uh, yeah, yeah. In, my, in my mind, I was becoming a danger to myself and, and, and the other members there because, um, yeah, I just, yeah, was, was, not, was not doing my job. I wasn't switched on enough. So, um, so I, I, went to, I went to Socket or whatever it was called back then. It was called something differently back then. CPS, I um, think it was called yeah, back CPS, then. CPS, and then it, then it went to soccer or something, sexual abuse, sexual offences and child abuse unit. Yeah. Uh, then the child, anyway. Um, I went there. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Because, and I'll touch briefly on this, and I have written about it in the book, um, yeah, I, I was sexually abused uh, in high school. Uh, I was probably 14 or 15. Now, I'm not going to go into the details of that. It's in the book. Um, so I thought to myself that this would be good for me to go there to socket. Um, it would put things in perspective. Um, now, what happened to me back at school didn't really but look, it was at the low end of scale, let me say that it wasn't high end. Chris, can I just say there is nothing low end of the scale in relation to sex abuse? Okay. Nothing. All right. Okay, I I hear. I hear. Mm. Look, I wasn't raped, put it that way. Um yep. so I thought and as a child it didn't really affect me, but as I got older, especially after being a father and certain things popped up, it it's I don't know, it brought back memories. Um, so I thought going to socket would be good for me um, and I'd be able to do the job well because of what had happened to me. Uh, it was totally the opposite. Totally Did you opposite. think that might, maybe you might be able to resonate more yes. and empathise more with the victims that came in? Is that what you thought yeah. you might be able to help Yeah, with? I, I did. I did. Um, but I just found the work extremely difficult. Um, and as you know, you've worked there and what – what really frustrated me there was these little children, you know, they're five years old or something, and, and they're saying they've been abused, and you know they're telling the truth. You just know they're telling the truth. Um, but unfortunately, nine times, nine and a half times out of ten, um, the brief would just never get authorised. Um, you know, 99% of the, or 90% of the time, there's no medical evidence Um that can be uh, that can be obtained uh, even yeah. after a medical examination. And here is a, a five or six year old or young child. It's their word against an adult. Uh, you can't put this five or six year old on the stand. Um, no. So it boiled down to the child's word against the alleged offender's word. And you know it was just so frustrating in these poor children. Um, and you just knew that what they were saying. You know, a five or six year old doesn't lie about that. 
No, um, because they don't know. Like they don't know what's right and wrong and yeah. they just say it as it is. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah. yeah, so it was very frustrating for me and it, it took its toll. And look, it, it, the other aspect of it as well was that my marijuana um, use was was getting really out of hand. Um, and as I said before, that, that pretty well ruined my career. That that was one of the main reasons why I ended up resigning. Look, I wasn't enjoying the job anymore either. You know, things had changed, promotional opportunities had changed. Um, you know, the old the old system of having your 60% pass mark and then just getting in line for sub-officers course had changed. They were just taking, as you mentioned before, just the people who were, who were good at exams. Um, yeah. And uh, I missed out for about three years running by about 1%. Um, to get onto sub-officers course. You know, I've got 82 or 83 on my exams, but they're only taking 84% and above. Um, so that really pissed me off. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, look, to be totally honest with you, Narelle, I, I, I didn't like the direction the department was going, and I cracked the shit, so I thought, you know what, I, I reckon I'd make a good sergeant. You don't want me, so you know what, you can get stuffed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so I resigned. Uh, I took I took about three months off first to think about it. Um, um, but, yeah, so there was a combination of, of working in the child abuse and the old memories coming up, the depression heading in, um, and, and then the department basically, um, you know, <laughs> rear-ending me, so to speak. Um, yeah, yeah. That's how I felt. So I thought I'd, I'd just had enough. And, uh, and, and Chris, going back to uh, your time at the socket, so mentally you were so strong at uh, the SOG. Uh, Did you find that the memories of what had happened to you as a, a teenager, you just you couldn't deal with it? Like I'm just trying to think of the mental toughness um, it was just different, wasn't it, at the socket because it was personal, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hit the nail on the head there. But, uh, it was personal. And, um, you know, I remember when I'd made up my mind to resign, I actually went and spoke to my boss, um, best boss I've ever had. Um, and this is one, one of the pers- people that I probably should have taken on as a mentor early in my career because he was always around Frankston and whatnot. You'll know, well, if he's listening to this, you'll know who I'm talking about. Um, and <laughs> yeah. so I went into his office and I was about to tell him, you know, that I'm pulling the pin. And I just broke down. I, I literally burst into tears in his office. And <laughs> he's just looked across me from his, at me from his desk. He's laughing. He's laughing at me. He's going, oh, Jesus, it's like I've got one of the fucking Sheilas in here. <laughs> <laughs> and I sort, of, I, sort of, I sort of had a chuckle between sobs. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. Yeah. and uh, anyway, look, he, he was great and uh, he, he, he agreed with me that, it was, that I was doing the right thing. Look, I, I just – I wasn't doing my job anymore. I, I just – I really just didn't care about the job. Um, I'd lost my faith. In the job, um, yeah. and uh, yeah, it, it just—I I just hated coming into work. I really hated coming into work, and and I think a lot of it's to do because of the work that I was doing there. And um, you know, I, I looked into um, putting in a historical um, complaint uh, yes. in regards to this person, but then after a while, I thought, you know what, I, I know how the system works, um, and it's probably not going to go anywhere. So I didn't 
end up going down that path. Um, yeah. And and once again, you know, I, I've, I've forgiven that person for what he did. Um, you know. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I have. I have. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big believer in karma, and I, I'm sure that karma will come around and bite him on the ass if it hasn't already. Um, I mean, yeah. God knows karma's bitten me on the ass enough. Uh, over the years, um, so I am a big believer in that. You know what? What you give out to the world, you get back, and yeah. uh, and that's you know that's why I, I, at this stage uh, I try and be a better person every day if I can. It doesn't always work, but I try. So, Chris, you had uh, Ted Hubbard was a, a very good friend of yours. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, there was there was a group of about four or five of us, and and we were all pretty close. And, and Ted was a part of that group. And can I just say for the listeners at this point, I might get you to explain a little bit about Ted. Um, rest in peace, Ted, and condolences uh, to uh, anybody that's listening that uh, knew Ted, uh, loved him, or was an acquaintance of his. But uh, Ted Hubbard was uh, a policeman who drowned at the pool out at the academy and as you said Chris he was a good friend of yours can you tell us a little bit about Ted? Ted was um, as much as he was was part of our group Ted was the only straight person right all the rest of us were party animals we drank we smoked we you know did. and this is at the SOG isn't it Um, the training at the SOG? Yeah Ted Ted, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll get on to that but yeah Ted Ted passed uh, passed uh, drowned in the pool during the pre-selection course for the for the SOG. Um, so Ted was a, a great policeman, um, and he absolutely hated what we did. You know, um, I, I never saw him even have a cigarette. He was straight down the line. He was a great policeman, a great worker. Um, yet he hung out with us. Go figure. Um, <laughs> now Ted Ted always wanted. It was his dream as well to get the SOG. He tried. To a couple of times prior, um, and was told to go away, get some more experience, come back. And uh, so he was doing the pre-selection course. They were in the pool at the academy, um, doing what they call um, oh, what was it called? Battleship. Um, oh, I can't think of it now. Um, anyway, it's in the book uh, yep. where they were treading water. Um, all the applicants. Uh, I'm not sure how many of them were there. Maybe. 20 or so, uh, all treading water, fully clothed, and the instructors are underneath um, underneath them underwater and grabbing their legs and pulling them underwater. Oh, God, um, yep. Cut a long story short again, uh, they all got out of the pool after a certain amount of time um, and did a head count and they were one short. Um, now, Ted was then found um, at the bottom of the pool Um while I have to go back quickly, while they were in there, they also um, undressed, uh, they took their kit and clothes off while they were in the water as well. So the bottom of the pool is littered with, you know, um, equipment as well. Mm. So and this is all part of the exercise. It's all part of the exercise and training. Um, yep. And uh, so, you know, in, in effect, Ted was camouflaged on the bottom of the pool and they didn't realise he was missing until they did a head count. Uh, by that time it was too late, uh, they... they you know, pulled him out from the pool, tried um, resuscitation and tried to revive him and uh, unfortunately uh, were unable to do so. Um, you know, I, look, I, I was actually gone from the SOG uh, at that mm-hmm. time. I'd already left, um, mm-hmm. you know, and at the funeral, 
Um, Ted had a beautiful police funeral at the at the academy, mm. and at the funeral, one of the SOG members, um, one of the SOG members, I can't stand, and, and I won't say what I'll do to him if I saw him again. Um, came up to me and tried to console me, I guess, um, and explain what happened. And I just, bluntly, I just told him to fuck off. Mm. You know, um, to me, uh, and one of the one of the instructors at the pool was one of the sergeants that I did not have a good relationship with. Um, look, well, it's in the paper that that there could have been possible charges in relation to it, um, and um, Ted failed to disclose that he suffered from asthma. I didn't even know he suffered from asthma. And he failed to disclose that because he didn't disclose it because he thought, oh, if I disclose it, they're going to have a reason for me not to get to the SOG or not to put me on the course. So he kept it to But, but you wouldn't get in, would you? If you did have asthma, you wouldn't be accepted into the course, would you? Is that right? Um, it, 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 look, I don't think they'd be able to refuse you just because of that. Um, it would certainly be something that would be taken under consideration. Um, Look, I don't know how bad it was, but um, look, to put put it bluntly, I always knew that somebody would from the SRG uh, was going to die. Um, I just didn't okay. think it would be my mate and I didn't think it would be uh, during the intake pre-selection course. And I'm still of the opinion now that one day um, someone from the SRG will either be shot or stabbed or killed in some way um, on a job. Uh, heaven forbid it never happens. Um, I would hate for that to happen, but uh, the law of averages, um, yeah, you know, yeah. someone's shooting at you. And, and, and several members have been shot and, and, and stabbed, um, mm. and it really has only been luck uh, to this point in time that a member hasn't been killed on duty um, mm. while on a job, an operation. Um, as I said, I hope it doesn't happen, but... Um, I think one day it will, whether it's yeah, next year, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, I don't know. But um, And is that due to the uh, – do you say that because you believe the training – I don't – well, I'm putting words in your mouth here, but it's not that the training is inadequate. Do you think that the, the training is too severe or too physical? Like, Why do you think that? Why do I think that somebody from the SOG will be killed? Yeah. Oh no, it's not too severe. It's just the law of averages. I mean, you know, if you if you've got an offender, and 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 some offenders will, you know, be happy to fight to the death. Um, yeah. And if, if I mean, all right, say for instance, we when I first got the SOG, we did a lot of uh, force building entries to arrest uh, offenders. Um, now. And it has happened in the past where offenders have actually been waiting behind the door as you as you burst in through the front door. Mm. Um, you know, there was one of the guys there that, as they've um, breached the front door and entered, um, the guy was standing behind the door with a machete, and actually swung the machete down, which hit him in the shoulder. Um, but the the only thing that saved him was because he had the the ballistic vest on. 
Okay. Um, so, it, so it embedded itself in the ballistic vest. Now, that, that could have easily gone horribly wrong, um, oh, yeah. a, a different yeah. angle um, or whatnot. And as I said, you know, members have been fired upon before. It only takes one bullet to hit its mark. Um, no matter how much training you have, um, things can go wrong. I mean, you just look at you know, people that go to war. Um, yeah. they, they have their training as well, yet a lot of them don't come home. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, as I said, I hope it doesn't happen and it, it's not the training or lack of training. Um, but, yeah, as I said, it's I, just the law of averages, isn't it? It's the law of it? averages and it just takes one, one bullet to hit its mark. Um, and yes, we've got all the ballistic plates on and stuff like that. But, I mean, you know, there's, you know you've, you've still got areas of your body that are exposed. Um, Especially, yeah. if, especially if you're side on, you know, you don't have any side protection. So yeah. if you get shot in the side, you're in a lot of trouble. But um, yeah, you can. But, you can but also, you, yeah. you you talk about uh, there's only so much protection you can have, and I think I read somewhere in your book uh, that there was a time when the pig, the uh, the armoured vehicle, was uh, shot at, but. Uh, would I be right in saying that the pig could withstand most firearms, yeah. most shot, but not all? Like there are some that could um, penetrate the pig, the oh, armoured vehicle. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That that seizure we were talking about earlier, um, with the guy who had the three hundred Magnum, three hundred Magnum, I think. The was. BFG. Uh, yeah, the yep. BFG. Um, that that would have pierced the the armour plating on 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 the pig. And um, when you say pierced it, does that mean that it would actually Go through it and into the vehicle, and maybe kill somebody. Uh, yeah, look, it's possible. Um, look, I'm I'm no expert when it comes to armour. Um, maybe maybe the projectile would would shatter uh, okay. and, and maybe not cause uh, um, serious injury. I'm not sure, um, but certainly the well. <laughs> Let's put it this way: the pig was hit by our friendly fire. <laughs> you know, this was another siege we went to where the offender was shot dead, and um, our, uh, he he pointed a firearm at us, and uh, several of our members uh, opened up fire, and one of them in particular was had a uh, was one of the cutoffs, um, and he had a five point five six millimeter round or a point two two three. Which is a decent round, and uh, you know he fired at the offender, missed, and it it followed through and actually hit the the uh, armoured vehicle. Oh my goodness! Um, right. So you know we were hit by friendly fire at that stage. So um, and and to be honest with you, I I, I actually felt I, I was driving the the armoured vehicle at the time, and I'd actually got out of the driver's seat and felt that bullet hit the the, the armoured vehicle um, just. Basically, to the left of my, uh, to the right of my, sorry, depending on which way you're looking at me, yeah, <laughs> um, to, the, to, the, to the side of my head. Um, so, you know, uh, if I had been one or two feet further to my right, um, that bullet probably would have hit me flush in the flush in the in the face in the head. Could have been curtains, Chris. Yeah, could have been, could have been, but it wasn't. Luckily, it wasn't my time. No, no, and hopefully your time doesn't come for a long time. Look. Uh, in closing, I know you've suffered from your time at the SOG, uh, but from all of us that you kept safe, all of us that were sleeping while you were out there risking your life um, and your colleagues to make ours safer, uh, thanks for everything you did. I, I hope 
that you feel proud of everything you achieved and accept that you aren't perfect. Nobody is. Maybe Dusty Martin, but, you know, he's he's few and far between. Um, and strength to you for owning up to your vulnerabilities and mistakes that you've made in the past because, as I said before, we all make mistakes and it's it's what makes us um, who we are right here and now, like you were talking about. That's what makes us who we are today. Well, I, thank you. Thanks for that, Narelle. I really appreciate that. Let, let me just finish by saying, I, I assume we're winding up here. Um, yep. I, I, I may have sounded somewhat critical in some aspects about the SOG during our, our little chat and, and I am probably critical in certain aspects in the book as well, but... I just want to say that uh, my loyalty rests with the SOG. I'll always be SOG in and out. Um, I, I love love the SOG itself. Um, I love what it stands for. I, I love what we do. Um, I'm, I'm not being critical about the group itself. Um, all I'm doing is just being critical of some of the people there. Um, that that's all. Yeah, but and, but but. And I, but yep. but also, Chris, you you're not. I think we can be critical, and we because, as I was saying, we aren't perfect, and I think that's how we learn. Uh, there are things that need to be said sometimes, and and some people might might find that difficult. But what I hope that they do is that they listen and take on board what you are saying and maybe change or tweak things a little bit. I think we can all be, uh, we can all listen to praise and how good we are and how good this worked and that worked. But I also think that we've got to listen to what doesn't work and what didn't work. That's the only way we learn, don't you think? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. You're totally spot on. Hey, listen, uh, I think we might finish on that, Chris, but uh, again, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, Narelle. Thanks very much. Hey, it's Narelle here again. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcasts as much as we enjoy putting them together. But to make sure you never miss an episode of Narelle Fraser Interviews, Hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to leave a rating and even a review and please share it with all your friends too. And again, thanks for joining us. We have got some amazing stories to tell. So thanks again. See ya. Hello, guess who? Just a quick interruption here to let you know you can now become a Narelle Fraser Interviews Patreon. How exciting! Simply go to www.patreon, that's P for Peter, A T R E O N for Narelle.com and search for Narelle Fraser Interviews. And to all of you out there who continue to support me, thank you so much. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.